thank you for being here with us this morning as we unpack this this idea of flow in our Thrive series. And in fact, it's good that we have Ove here with us as well because what we discover about Ove is that, as Edwina said, he has, what was the one? He has prudence as one of his character strengths. He also has grumpiness as another one of his character strengths. And uh, he also loves machines, particularly Saab motor cars. But we'll discover that a little bit further down the track over the next few weeks. Well, my challenge uh, this week from last week's one about connecting and making room for others as a key part of a thriving life was to have a random act of kindness. And so mine was to decide that I would smile at people this week when I'm walking to and fro in the shopping centres up and down the streets, you know, those really uncomfortable, awkward people that they smile and they say hello and they acknowledge you. So that was going to be mine. And so I did that. I practised that during the week. And it was good just to make a little bit of room for others. And in return, people kind of caught off guard and they returned the smile. And I thought, yeah, I'm doing my little random act. And, t- and I thought that was it until yesterday morning at about 9.30 a.m. I heard this almighty crash like there was um, a metallic object descending for, and literally landing on the road, Canterbury Road, just near where we live. And then I discovered as uh, the, I heard spinning wheels and then deadly silence. And I quickly got dressed, walked out into the front street, and there was a, a flow of water literally coming down Heathmont Road. It was chocolate brown, and it was flowing. I thought, what, what has happened? And I looked up the street, just literally 20 metres away, and this is what I saw. In fact, I went and stood in my next-door neighbour's um, house. This was his house. And uh, we were looking over his fence. Right where I took the photograph was is where his bedroom was. And uh, we had this B-double um, filled with gravel, literally just cut across over Canterbury Road and, and come crashing down. Miraculously, no one was killed. In fact, who lost their power last night because of this accident? There should have been a number of people, thousands of people lost. It was helicopters flying over. It's amazing how quickly um, television cameras arrive. In fact, I think one of our own took advantage of that. Greg, are you here? To, to, to jump in front of the camera and talk about the speeding on the road. Well done, you. Um, and, and right, so this is his pool. And you can see the wires. So he knocked out the wires. So they're right next to the pool. That was the water flowing down. And then um, this was the next, next shot here. So this is the front end. You can see the ladder next to the cabinet there. There was a man who couldn't communicate, but his arm was moving. So he was, he was okay. He only had a couple of scratches. They took him. No, no one else was injured because normally the, the, the netball traffic would be coming up here. This was major, major, major. And I remember just standing there next to him and thought, well, maybe not that I thought quite like this, but the random acts of kindness that you saw happening in that moment was profound. You had some people directing traffic. You had others jumping up on top of the canopy there and trying to get the person out. Um, um, my daughter cooked pancakes for the next door neighbor and we said, come on over and no power at all, but we had gas. And so this <laughs> took over as our random acts of kindness from around. You just never know. You also never know how valuable electricity is <laughs> until you lose it. And, and you're walking around your house with candles and there's no heating. And that came on about 4 a.m. this morning. So where are we going with this whole scene? Where are we going with this, this, this thriving? So just to catch us up to speed, number one, we think there's four elements. We've reduced the perma and put it into four. The first one, connect. When, when someone opens up their lives and makes room for someone else, they feel worthwhile and like they're a valuable human being. 
Um, secondly, flow, this idea of engagement, knowing what you love doing, doing as often as you can. When you do that and apply that in your life, you experience a sense of purpose. And then the next two weeks, cause. When you're caught up in a cause that's greater than yourselves, it creates a sense of meaning. And lastly, resilience or grit. If you can endure life's hardships will come, then you'll be able to more often than not thrive. So you know where we're heading. Last week, we unpacked just a um, some of the, the core things and elements from the Bible. If you're here today and you're checking out God, you're wondering what this Christian life is all about. Uncannily enough, in, in the very first few pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, that unpacks some of the heartfelt desires of the human life. And so last week, we read just this simple idea um, that God said to those first human beings, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And so wired into the human psyche is this need for relationship, companionship, not just marriage, but all different kinds of connections and relationship and healthy, thriving nature. Well, today we discover, as it relates to flow, that in chapter 1, he said something profound as well. As he, that, that first writer pictured a garden state, if you like, in, in which there were these people that, that, that thrived. This is what is written. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of male and female, he created them. What does that image mean? Well, he actually gives them a vocation, a job, a task. It says this, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. So yes, God said, What I want you to do is, block your ears, have sex. And when you have sex, you will be able to multiply and, and, and you will form families. In fact, followers of Jesus believe that God's order for sexual engagement is actually best served in a committed marriage relationship. And that's actually what makes for communities and thriving. And, and, and so he gives them a job, though. He says, what I want you to do is govern the earth, if you like, continue my creation project of bringing order out of the chaos of life. I want you to do something. I want you to work. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we think in our age of technology, married with our age of entertainment, that the greatest thing we could do, the most place that will thrive, is when we're lying on a banana lounge drinking cocktails. Well, you'll get bored of that pretty quickly because there seems to be something wired into our human psyche that says we were made for more. If you like, from this very first account, we were made to work, to place in effort, to actually know what our wiring is and use it for the benefit of others. If you like, it's the characterization between these two words. And we're living in that age right now. You can characterize your life as being just about fun, or you can characterize your life about being flourishing or thriving. This is how fun is defined in the dictionary. Enjoyment, amusement, or lighthearted pleasure. Flourishing, thriving, to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly congenial environment. That's what we're talking about. What are the elements that create for a thriving kind of life? God might have wired us in this particular way. In fact, it's characterized by this. If you characterize your life by fun, this sentence will apply to you. If chasing momentary highs are the sum total of your understanding of happiness, then your life will be like a theme park for which your sole purpose will be to queue up for the next ride. There's the next football game. There's the next holiday. There's the next fast food shop. There's the next piece of clothing. There's the next, there's the next, there's the next. If that's how you characterize your life, your life will be like a theme park or a roller coaster 
riding the highs and lows. However, if you define your life and flourishing or thriving this way, in a different way, what are the elements that contribute towards that, then this sentence will apply to you. If chasing momentary highs are the sum total of your... No, we're going to go on the next one. If, however, you hunger for a deeper, richer, that's so much better, more fulfilling experience in which momentary highs are part of, but not the sum total, then you will see yourself like a tree requiring life's essential nutrients in order to sustain healthy growth. When I went to university, I did a subject on sociology. We were told 20 years ago, wait for the age of technology to flourish, because when it does, there will be so much more leisure time in our community that you as phys edders and health professionals will have to speak into that because people will be bored. (laughs) How much did we get that wrong? What characterizes your life? In fact, if it's the difference between this, happiness is not a commodity that you can purchase, but it's a byproduct of a certain kind of life. Can I repeat that? Because this is just so important. Happiness is not a commodity that you or I can buy. It's a byproduct of a certain kind of life. That's what we're talking about in thriving. So in the 15 minutes I have left, what I want to do right now is answer this fundamental question. How can we best know and utilize our strengths? So when we talk about strengths, we're not just talking about character strengths, but we can expand it to passions, or if you're familiar with church life, it might be gifts. What's the wiring that you have that God may have been given to you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, that can be utilized and seen as a character strength, a passion, a giftedness that you have. How can we best know and utilize our strengths? Well, the first thing I want to say, two things. The first thing I want to say is our strengths are best owned when affirmed and not discovered. What do I mean by that? I still remember in grade five in primary school, I was down in the art room and we were doing some clay plaques. Does anyone remember doing like clay plaques and you had to fill it in and cut things out on top and you had to use your blade to try and stick them on properly so when it glazed and fired in the kiln, it wouldn't fall off? Well, I remember making a plaque and glazing it and my art teacher at the time said when it came out of the kiln this is good you are really good at art I remember that in grade five you are really good at art and I remember taking that little plaque home and sitting it there not just for a week or for a month but it sat there for years right because someone had affirmed Something that I didn't see in myself, but they did at the time. Think about someone in your life that has shaped you most profoundly. Think right now about someone in your life who has spoken into your life and elevated it like this. What did they do to accomplish this? I bet as you think about that significant other in your life, one of the things that you would say they did, and they just did it naturally, they did it openly, they did it willingly, was that they had the gift or the ability to affirm some of the gifts and passions and skills that you had, but that you might not have seen for yourself, right? I still remember 
when I was wondering, should I continue on in my teaching profession or should I go and explore discovering more about God and theology and study overseas? Should I actually cut the rope and run and go? Sorry, teachers. Uh, if I could just move out into a new sort of you know, profession. And I remember sitting with a friend of mine who, who wasn't a Jesus follower. And he said to me, Troy, mate, I've watched you for all these years. I reckon that's the way you're wired. I reckon you'd be really good at that. Wow. I still remember sitting in my professor's office at the end of the study, three years overseas, and him looking at me in the eye. He'd known me, he'd observed me, he watched me, he'd circled around me, and he said, you know what, Troy? You'll never be ready. Give it a crack. You can See, one of the most profound, powerful gifts we have that we don't even know is that you have the power to affirm and to encourage and to speak into someone else's life so that it lifts like this. And when you do that, you will help someone not only discover, because you can discover it, go on via character, you'll discover some things, but I bet, I bet and I know that they are owned best. Our character skills and strengths and passions are owned best when they're affirmed and not just stumbled upon. Have you ever lost something in front of you and you just couldn't see it? You're at the shed and you're looking for a particular tool. You're in the home and you put the car keys down somewhere and you just can't see them. You've been looking for, you know what I mean? You've been looking for minutes and minutes and minutes. And then someone else comes up to you and says, what are you looking for? And you go, I'm looking for my car keys. And they just, with, without in sort of nonchalance, they just say, oh, they're, they're right here. <laughs> and they pick them up and they give them to you. Why didn't you see that? I don't know. I reckon that's how it is with our, our character strengths and skills is sometimes we just don't see the things that are in us, but it requires someone else to point them out because we have blind spots. The second thing we have in loads and bucket loads in our Australian culture is we have a lack of self-confidence when it comes to even expressing them. We have this tall poppy syndrome. So even if you get halfway there and say, I think I have this, someone out there is ready to just have the critical thought, right? And cut you down. Imagine if there was a community that said what we want to do more than anything else is create a thriving environment where we take an active measure in saying, you're good at that. You're good at that. I see this in you. I see this in you. I see this in you. Imagine. You see, that's one of the roles of parents. We talked about this two weeks ago. A, a good parent will be one who, who, yes, provides for their children, roof, food, all those different things. But if you like, they, they see their role as circling around their young person and they're observing what are the things that they naturally just acclimatize to that they do. Maybe they're good with numbers. Maybe they are good with creativity. Maybe they pick up a guitar and start strumming it. What is it? And you know that as a part of the parenting, that part of your role is to go, I see that you might be really good at that and to nourish it like that. Imagine if it wasn't just left to the parents, though. Imagine if you did that with friends. Friends did the same for your young people, but, but equally same, they did it for themselves, to one another. Imagine the power of that. Because we are prone to insecurity and we are prone to a lack of self-confidence and we are prone to blindness. So sometimes the most beneficial thing that you can experience in your life is the blessing and the benefit of another person who says you don't have to stumble into discovering what your skills, passions and gifts are. I'll tell you, <laughs> I see this, I see this because we can't sometimes see it ourselves. 
Does that make sense? I wish, though. I wish. <laughs> Someone had told me when I was in year 12 and doing art <laughs> that that creative edge that I had when I was in grade 5 had not translated itself into real skills. <laughs> My artwork in year 12 was, let's just say, it was, it was weird. <laughs> Our strengths are best owned when they're affirmed and also discovered. Second thing I want to say is this. Our strengths are best used for others and not for ourselves. Our strengths, gifts and passions are best used for others and not ourselves. And when you tap into that, you'll discover something about the way in which God has wired us to give back and to contribute, almost like back in that garden state of bringing order out of chaos in which you will thrive. I can tell you this. I know this. This is true. Our strengths are best used for others and not just for ourselves. In fact, in the pages of the Bible, you'll discover that this kind of knowledge and insight has been there from the very beginning, at least in the last 2,000 years. Early followers of Jesus, when they had crossed the line of faith, when they had said, Jesus, we see and believe that you are God's son, that when you died on a cross, that you were making a way for God and humans to know one another, that you could be forgiven of your sin and your wrongs, that you could be set free, that you could actually be washed clean, and then welcomed into his family. When you crossed the line of faith, they discovered that there's always also something else that happened in their lives. And that is that they were supercharged, if you like, in their humanness by God's very presence and his spirit to actually activate some of our strengths, giftings, and passions in a way that is on a spiritual level and it's kind of different. Now, if you're just checking out God, this might be new to you. But this is what he writes about it, and it's powerful and it's profound. So Paul, by the, uh, a writer of, this, um, of the Bible by the name of Paul, writing to a group of Jesus followers in a place called Ephesus, now modern-day Turkey, and writing to little groups of these Jesus followers in, in different parts of Asia Minor and that sort of modern-day Turkey area, this is what he writes when it comes to this unique kind of gifting and supercharging that Jesus does in their lives. So he writes this, so these were the gifts that Jesus gave. Some were to be apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, others pastors and teachers. Now, what are these? These are strange words, right? There's apostle. An apostle originally was someone who actually had seen Jesus resurrected and alive. But the apostle also played a role, if you like, of breaking new ground, going into new uncharted territories to take that message. If you like, they were the entrepreneurs of this day. He goes on and says that there was people who were like have this gifting like prophets. They hear from God about things that are just and unjust, fair and not fair, but they also discern his voice. And so they speak that back into other people's lives. Profound. There were the evangelists who are the ones who just love talking about Jesus and the hope he gives that your life is more than just material stuff. There is a God who wired you for more and he just loved talking about that. There were pastors, those who acted like shepherds and would gather people in and make sure they were doing okay. And then there were others who were teachers. They just loved instructing people in learning about how they could grow and how they could get to know God more. Well, if you like, these can offer and, and, and action themselves as functions that any sort of follower of Jesus might broadly fall into. 
But he says these were given for a purpose. This is what he goes on and says. Their job is to give God's people the equipment or the ability they need for their work of service. Isn't that interesting? And so to build up the king's body, that is, if you like, it was as though that when they came to know Jesus, Paul described them as a collection of a body that looked a little bit like Jesus' body on earth. He said the purpose of all those giftings and those wirings was that other people would be built up so that they might reflect a bit more of Jesus on the earth. The purpose of all this is that we should reach unity in our belief and our loyalty and in knowing God's son. And he finishes off by saying this, then we shall have a mature, and this is interesting, and genuine human life. You see, if Jesus is the genuine, fully human one, then when he said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, maybe we can look to him to discover how we're wired so that we can thrive. Measured by the standards of Jesus' fullness himself. You see, gifts are best used not just for ourselves, but for others. So let me ask you here this morning. Do you know what your gifts are? Do you know what your character strengths are? Your unique wiring from God? And if so, are you using them? Because you will thrive most when you utilize those. It will give back to you, but it will build up someone else. And when the body is doing that, if you like, it grows in stature and confidence and maturity. So it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah, the band's going to come up in a moment. We're going to have a moment of pause and reflection. But yesterday as that truck was on its side and I saw a whole community go to action, I thought, I bet you a lot of these people are using their strengths and their giftings and they don't even know it. Someone's on the top of the truck. They're talking to the guys. Someone else is worried about the traffic and pulling bins across. Someone else is cooking food or bringing stuff in to help other people. Other people are standing there with their cameras. And just making movies. And I wondered, I wonder what it would be like if a community of people who kind of believed that Jesus had wired something into them, imagine if they took that idea of flow, that flow flows. When I discover my strengths and gifts and abilities and uniqueness, when it's affirmed by someone else, I step out and I do the same. I use my gift for the benefit of someone else. As I'm serving the maker, not just myself, that I might thrive. I wonder if you came here this morning and you even wondered, will I meet with God? I turn up to this space with other people. Will God's spirit even be present? If he's alive, may he speak to me. But I wonder if you're sitting here this morning and God is speaking to you. He might have taken a gift of yours, a strength, and shelved it. 
Because years ago, someone spoke some harsh words into your life and it hurt you so deep because it's a strength of yours and in your woundedness, you just shelved it. Today, I wonder what God might be saying to you. Isn't it time to experience some healing so we can take that gift and release it to do good? wonder someone's shared some words over your life and they thought they were encouraging and it was the biggest source of discouragement I wonder if God might want to release you today so you can thrive so just as gone up place right now I'm going to pray if that's new for you it's speaking to God but I believe that he wants to speak human beings like you and me And if you are here and there has been words spoken over your life, if there has been things said that you have caused some of yourself to be shelved, I'm going to pray that supernaturally right now, that he might do a work in you, healing, so that you might have the courage to take that off the shelf and release it and use it for his good. If that's you right now, I'm going to pray might just want to open yourself up just where you are and say, God, that's me. That's me. So just where you are, if you'd like, I'm going to pray. You can join me. Father, I ask in this place that you might bring healing where there has words that's been spoken that have wounded. I pray that you might bring life where there has been death spoken over people and over circumstances. I pray and I ask that you might bring life and that you might encourage each one of us to take those gifts and those skills and those characters, those strengths, those passions, and to put them into service for the benefit of others. Pray that you might bring your healing word here today. In Jesus' name, amen. As you hear Justine sing, I'm going to leave you with this idea. I'd invite you to ask God what he wants you to do with it this week. This is my challenge to you. That you might take these two phrases with you during the course of the week. I see this in you. You are good at look them in the eye, mean it from the heart, and give them the best day, and maybe nudge them in the way of life for the rest of their life. I see this in you. You are good at that. Thanks, Rob.